We're back on another edition of the First Draft Podcast. It's Tuesday, March 9th, which is in some NFL circles known as Franchise Tag Deadline Day. But of course, the focus of today's show will be on the draft. Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, and I am Field Yates. Mel, we'll start with you. How are you on this glorious Tuesday, which finally feels like spring? It does. Look at the 71 degrees now. So it's pretty amazing that we had a cold uh, weekend and a cold start to the week. But today it's 71. I think so. it'll be really nice all week, maybe a spring shower later in the week. And I know McShay just uh, gave me news before the show that he's actually ready to start golfing again. Uh, the trip to Nantucket <laughs> won't be that bad anymore. You know, we'll have like six foot waves heading to Nantucket. It's calming down a little bit up in Boston. I know in Connecticut as well, the snow's melting. So I think everything's kind of looking like spring these days. I think the only thing we're worried about is that chair that you're rocking on. It's not a rocker. I'm making it a rock. <laughs> That's why I'm worried. You should be concerned. <laughs> By the way, I broke my 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 true lazy boy rocker. Oh, how many a year? I, this one lasted exactly. This lasted 16 months. Wow. 16 months. That's good yeah. for you. Yeah. Now, how long have you been purchasing these lazy boy rockers? Like, how many have we gone through in totality? Well, Bark the Lounge, Lazy Boys, whatever it is, I've gone through since. Well, I used to have the rocking horse when I was a kid. Remember that horse that rocked? I used to break the Since I was less than Tate, I was doing the thing there. But I'd play, I'd go through, I'd go through since I was 10, a share a year. How about that? I, that, that is dedication. You need some stock. We got a lazy boy. Down the basement. And I tell you, we got more chairs down there. Than you can, I mean, it's like, it looks like, it looks like a furniture store. There might be some value for those on eBay. I see people buy, you know, NBA Top Shot money's going out the door crazy. So maybe you could turn your uh, your old chairs into something here. Yeah, Mel. you know, I'd be rocking a boom. The spring yeah, oh, that's boom, right. You know? One time I almost fell off the deck on a chair out on our deck at the first house. I was reading the paper and I was near the edge and the thing went boom. And I almost went, I would have, I almost killed myself while flying off the deck and broken my neck. Todd, I'm thinking that we need a Kuiper family reality TV show at some point. Like just I would, for this I, kind I've of been, I've been trying to pitch it for years. I mean, between <laughs> he doesn't have an ATM card, the pumpkin pie, the rocking chairs. There's there's just so much to it. I would be all in on that show. We're gonna, as I mentioned, get to a couple of pieces of news surrounding the franchise tag deadline, which as we record is less than two hours away, but most of the news has piled in. And also Todd's mock draft 3.0, which came out last week. And Mel's all-time top quarterback prospects. Uh, based off their pre-draft grade. But we're going to start today with news from Chris Mortensen, uh, the great Chris Mortensen, the legendary Chris Mortensen, who reported, I'll make the short version here, that essentially the Eagles, uh, especially per the uh, recommendation of their owner, or including per the recommendation of their owner, Jeffrey Lurie, are going to build around Jalen Hurts this year, their quarterback who they drafted last year in the second round. So, Todd, I'll start with you. What's your initial reaction to the idea of building around Jalen Hurts? I think it's a mistake. I'll be honest. I don't think Jalen Hurts is, is accurate enough as a passer. And maybe they see things in, you know, in practice and, and kind of working with him that, that I have not seen. But there's a reason that Tua Tungabailoa became the guy in Alabama and then Hurts wound up moving on to Oklahoma. I, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a great young man. Like the, the toughness and the competitiveness that he brings is outstanding. But can you win a Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts? I mean, that would be my question. Mel, I'll turn it over to you before I chime in. Can you win one with Matt with Jalen Hurts? I don't think we know. I think, as Todd said, the improvement that he's shown, they know we don't. 
we know his competitiveness and his work ethic and how he galvanizes the football team and his ability to be a dual threat quarterback and what a winner he was at Alabama and Oklahoma. Uh, I think to move forward with him, I don't have a problem with it. This is kind of a situation where you want to, I think, either be all in. You can't be half. And that's where right. I am with these quarterbacks. If you're going to go with Jalen Hurts, go get him some talent and then get everybody healthy, which was not the case with Carson Wentz, as we know. Then after year two, evaluate, did he make progress? And he doesn't have to be all of a sudden a superstar. The people forget Josh Allen from year one to year two made a lot of progress, went unnoticed by a lot of people. But internally, they saw significant improvement. And then year three, boom, here he is. If Jalen makes that significant improvement that they see between the what we saw as a rookie and what we see in 2021, then they can go forward with him. But if he kind of levels off and they don't see it, then they can maybe cut the cord or at least go in a different direction. But give him a chance to have some players around him and then make more of an accurate call on what type of quarterback he may, he may become. I want to clean up. I should have done this from the first place. What Mort reported, uh, his mm-hmm. sources told him that Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie has instructed the team to prioritize making Jalen Hurts successful in 2021 as opposed to creating a true quarterback competition. Hurts actually joined Adam Schefter on his podcast, which – came not long after Mort's initial report. And here's what he had to say about his former teammates, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, who might fit for the Eagles at pick six. I just saw something about Waddle saying he's different, and, and he is different. You know, he's a, he's a heck of a player, a great, a great friend of mine, a little brother to me. I mean, the things he can do with the ball in his hands, his, his speed, athleticism, high point in the ball, um, there, there's not anything he can't do. And then Devontae Smith, he's like a smooth criminal, criminal, you know, uh, <laughs> such a smooth, such a, such a smooth route runner, attacks the ball, strong hands, size, size is never an issue with him. He, he, he's so strong with his hands um, and he, he's a hell of a player himself. Kind of going back to this question, if the jury is still out on Jalen Hurts, but the Eagles are still planning on starting him next year, Todd, is the floor now six for either of those two Alabama wide receivers? Like, should we be instructing them to look at real estate in the Philadelphia area? <laughs> First of all, I love smooth criminal. What yeah. a great line. Because that's exactly what he is. And maybe Hertz can be a, a scout when, he, when he's done playing quarterback because <laughs> that's the best evaluation you can say of Devontae Smith because that's what he is. He just – he. He's not the fastest. He's not the biggest. He's got the lean legs. There's so many things you can pick holes in. But when you watch him on tape, he's so smooth. And he does all the little things right. Um, I think, listen, I had Kyle Pitts going to the Eagles. I think that the, uh, the tight end from, from Florida. I think it's going to be a pass catcher now that they're committed to Hurts. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Kyle Pitts, obviously um, Chase Young, um, uh, Jamar Chase from LSU. We've yeah. got all these pass catchers that are going to go somewhere in the top 10 to 12 overall. And Mel, would you be prioritizing a pass catcher period for Philly? If not quarterback, it feels like they have to go wide receiver or tight end. I agree. And I think when you look at, I was speaking actually to a former GM about this whole scenario with the Eagles. And I think the surprise there from people that have been in the league is that the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, came out and said, prioritize Jalen Hurts, not the general manager, Howie Roseman, and the new head coach there in Philadelphia as well. So this is coming from the top, which is not really which we've seen with a lot of organizations. And that was a bit of a surprise to people uh, that that came out as an even from the top. Hey, this is Jalen Hurts. Let's do what we need to do. I, I agree with that. I think wide receiver, tight end, 
can't go wrong there. Uh, any one of those guys, there's four entities that we know are really, really special. And it's, it's not just that they're there because they have to be. They're there in any draft. They are the yep. elite guys. I don't care. It's a lot of times we force like a John Ross up and we force a Corey Davis up. It's going back to like when A.J. Green and Julio Jones came out. They weren't forced up. They were elite. Keyshawn Johnson was elite when he came out. Uh, certainly uh, these guys are special entries that don't come along very often. That's why my criticism of the uh, of certain things like the Jets say, if you go with Zach Wilson and you lose all four of these guys, to me, that's not acceptable. And that would be disappointing if I were a Jets fan to trade Darnold, take a draft Zach Wilson and lose these guys. So for the Eagles, get one of these guys, then you can help. And obviously Jalen Rager guys has to improve on what we saw as a rookie. They took him over Justin Jefferson. They're like, well, they had Jefferson rated higher. I don't know what went on there. They took Jalen Rager. And I don't know what would have been said if he would have had a great year. He didn't. He dropped some balls. He had some injuries. He's got to get better. So if he improves significantly and you get the rookie coming in doing what he, he he's capable of doing, then all of a sudden, you know, Jalen Hurts has a chance for success. So was, obviously, they need to stay healthy on the offensive side as well this year. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, if you look at the Eagles offense, uh, they have plenty of needs this offseason. And it feels like for Jalen Hurts, and this is just one man's opinion, you know, if nothing else, like I, We've talked about this on this specific podcast, how some teams are looking to cut bait on a quarterback too soon in the NFL. There might be some value at the very least in putting your confidence behind a young player who, not that Jalen isn't really mentally tough, but this could go a long way in his development, knowing early in the process, it's his team and it's his opportunity to earn that spot going forward. Um, We're going to get to Todd's mock in just a moment, but something that might actually tie into it is what I think is the most draft-relevant franchise tag news of the day as of our recording, which is that the Lions aren't going to use the franchise tag on Kenny Galladay. I'm going to get to Mel's mock in a second of what it means, but uh, Todd's mock, excuse me. But Mel, on principle, do you believe the Lions should have used a franchise tag on Galladay, who's 27, or because of their timeline right now, was it actually smart business to bypass this tag? I think keeping players on the field is important. Obviously, he's missed some time. Uh, you know, you think about where he is right now in his career. He's still a very – when he's on the field, he's healthy. He's an outstanding football player. But I think if you look at – okay, if you let Galladay go, what are you going to do with that pick? Could you trade? And this is a team that has a lot of needs. We mm-hmm. keep in mind, their defense. I mean, they need multiple linebackers. Huh? And yeah. they need help on that side of the ball. So this is a team that isn't a rebuilding – I want to say rebuilding. I'll call it just a building up your talent base mode. It's not rebuilding. It's just building it up. We talk about the Lions every year. They're going to be improved, and they never get to the level they needed to get with Matthew Stafford. No fault of his. But I think when you look at this organization, do a better job uh, you know, on the personnel front and hopefully have better luck on the injury front. Uh, but I think if you do make the move to let Galladay go, then obviously you think about at seven taking a receiver. I wouldn't force it necessarily, though, if I get a big-time offer to move down. There's great depth. At, and I'm, I'm saying I'm thinking at that point Chase and Smith could be gone. Uh, Jalen Waddle would be in play. I get that. But if you move down and acquire some extra draft choices, then I think you're in good shape to try to help this football team more so than just the one choice. So with the Lions, I might go against the grain a little bit. And if that pick represents Todd at quarterback, and somebody's willing to give up a ton to go up to that seven spot and get whatever quarterback is available, whether it's Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, whoever it may be, uh, if I'm the Lions, moving down might be a, a distinct possibility. Yeah, By the time, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, who, who are you going to move down with, though? I mean, Carolina is sitting there at eight. Um, after that, it, it, there's, you know, you have to go a while down to 
Yeah, well, like New England, you want to get ahead of Carolina. With San Francisco, like you get ahead of Carolina. San Francisco is a possibility. I'll give you San Francisco. I I don't think New England's going to move up and go get a quarterback, but we'll we'll find out. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. San Francisco would be a possibility. But then if you move back to 12, are you going to get one of these guys that we've talked about? Are you going to get a, you know, a, a, a Smith? or Chase, or, or Waddle, or, or even Pitts at, at the tight end position. I, I think they're all going to be gone. And then there is depth. I'll give you that, Mel, but there's a big drop-off after the first four receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about the Lions because on the one hand, right now, Tyra Williams, who has been oft injured in his two seasons with the Raiders, is their top wide receiver. It's a need. But Todd, given where they're at, first-year head coach, first-year GM – are the Lions even to be bothered by drafting for need right now? Shouldn't they be drafting exclusively for value this early it's on actually in the really good point. process? That's a really good point. I, and I, th- I think if they do move back, they have to do it with the expectation that they're not going to get one, one of the primary, you know, premier wide receivers in this class. They're going to probably get a defensive player. You know, mm-hmm. go, go back and, and get a Micah Parsons from Penn State. Get one of these other really good defensive players that are – seem to be all in the, the back half of the first round. And I think that's that would be the mindset. And also knowing you're getting additional picks, and they need additional picks to build this roster. Mel, it feels like we've talked about the offensive prospects in this year's class maybe more than any other in recent memory. Do you have a top defensive prospect that like clearly stands out above the rest? Because if I'm Detroit, I think my defensive needs are basically everywhere. Yeah. Or is it – is it depending on who the team is and what they need? Yeah, I'm with you. I think the defense is, uh, I would say, a little underrated. I think there's some really good prospects on that side. And if I'm the Lions, it, nothing precludes you from going from 7 to 12 and then from 12 down a little bit further. You know, there's no rule says you can only trade down once. Mm. You can go down again. I think acquiring draft choices is important for this organization. And uh, like I say, linebacker to me, if I can get Jeremiah Wusu koromoa uh, you know, in that 17, 16, 17 spot, uh, maybe ahead of the Raiders, ahead of Miami, uh, you know, drop down to 16 from 12. I would be looking to do that. He would be the linebacker to keep an eye on. Todd mentioned Micah Parsons from Penn State. But I think Owusu Koromoa, with the way he covers and the way he tackles, just a heck of a player. Todd was the first one. I always give him credit. First one on number six from Notre Dame uh, a couple of years ago, <laughs> uh, where this kid is. And I'm a Notre Dame guy. And I'm thinking, man, this guy is impressive to watch. And uh, and for today's NFL, he's perfect. So if I want a kind of a, a, a foundation piece on my defense, I would be looking at Jeremiah Wusu Kuromo. And they go back to the Lions. They drafted Calvin Johnson. They drafted Charles Rogers. They drafted uh, who's the other receiver early on? Oh, Roy Williams. Remember yeah. Roy yeah. Williams? I mean, they've had, they've done this before. What did it amount to? So I, I don't think they have to be in a position with such a, a, a team that lacks personnel at a number of positions. They're not ready to make a move to catch Green Bay, you know, or even for that matter, maybe to get to Minnesota and Chicago, but not to not to be an elite football team. It's going to take a little bit of time here. So, uh, like you were talking about, don't force things. Don't think we're one player away. Uh, this team has a lot of work to do to try to build this personnel base up to a playoff level. Yeah, there's a case that they're as early in their timeline as any team in the NFL right now based off how things have transpired this offseason. So as mentioned, Todd's 3.0 mock debuted this past Friday. And Todd, I always like to start by asking this. What, at least in the court of public opinion that maybe you've seen or heard, what pick generated the most reaction from fans, uh, which as we know, they never are shy about expressing how they feel about your mock drafts? (laughs) 
it was all positive. That was amazing. Again, the streak time. continues. Yeah. No, Justin Fields going number three. I think that was that was the biggest thing. And, and having Carolina move up to go get him. I, the Jets at number two, Zach Wilson from BYU as well. Those are the two. But I, I think the, the most reaction I got was at that number three spot. Fields, why Fields over Lance? You had Lance over Fields the last time. Why don't you have Fields at number two? You know, everyone has their opinion on it. But that that was the one I got the most reaction to. Interesting. And do you think it was – was it more about the prospect or was it more about the idea of a trade? Because Justin Fields going – okay, interesting. Yeah, it was definitely the prospect. It it was all about Fields. It was, why don't you have Fields one? Why don't you have Fields two? Why do you have him three? Why Mm. did you have him four last time? Why Why did the switch happen? That was all the conversation. So Mel, earlier, maybe it was a week or two ago when you were on Get Up, you gave a fairly passionate and almost fiery sort of defense of Justin Fields. Why has he become so divisive seemingly in this process? Like, I, I don't see a lot of work with this player. You know, I don't know. I mean, Todd can speak to that uh, in terms of Fields. I understand the two football games where we keep highlighting like that, that's going to define his career um, in a COVID year with all the interruptions. Uh, I understand, you know, Hey, I get what you you see, what you're seeing. I understand. I'm not going to debate that. Uh, There's some things he needs to work on, but the talent is undeniable. What he did in 2019, you cannot take away and erase. What he did this year against Clemson, I cannot discount. Uh, Yeah, I look at him and say, boy, he's got the talent. He's got the passion. He's got the work ethic. He wants to be great. Yeah, I'd like to see him go to San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I'd like to see him go there. Uh, so I think the right spot, it's the one thing, and, I, and Todd, I want to get your feeling on this. We're, it's yeah. always the, the, everybody's critical of the personnel evaluators. Everybody's always, it's on the personnel department. The scouts didn't do their job. McShay blew it, Kuiper blew it. You know, all these people blew it, right? They don't know what the heck they're talking about. Well, what about the coaches? It's never on the coaches. It's never on the organization. It's all about the personnel guys. Well, you know, coaches make players or break players a lot of times. Systems, organizations make or break players so I think for the quarterbacks we always say what would happen if this quarterback would have gone here instead of there would his career have been different so again I think if Fields hits with the right organization with the right team with the right coach uh, I think he has a chance to be a really good quarterback in the NFL yeah it's obviously critical I mean Patrick Mahomes is is the best example I can ever think of And, and if he wasn't in that situation coming from that Texas Tech offense the air raid and didn't have Alex Smith, who was willing to work with him, and didn't have Andy Reid, who was one of the best QB developers in all of the all of the NFL. Where would he be? And he would. Like, he self admits it. I've, I've I've told the story a bunch of times. Just, just sitting down talking to him, he knows that he wouldn't be where he is now if he didn't have that first year to develop and the people around him to develop, and also the weapons to develop. But going back to this discussion. I'm curious to find out from you, Mel, if you're picking it two, whether it's the Jets or a team that moves up, are you taking Fields or are you taking Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback? I would go with Fields. Uh, you know, if I'm moving up to get a quarterback, it would be Fields. I understand the Wilson, the love of Wilson. I mean, his, his numbers were staggering this year. I mean, he goes from, uh, you know, he's up to 73-5 from what he was, 33 yep. touchdowns. Where he wasn't 62%, went to 73-5. He eliminated the fumbles. He eliminated the bad interceptions. He eliminated taking sacks and not feeling pressure. He got better in all areas, but it was one year with a with a 
say it, cupcake schedule. And uh, to me, that's something to look at. Fields obviously played better competition, but if I'm moving up, I'm moving up uh, to get uh, to get Justin Fields at that point. I can understand teams moving up to get Zach Wilson. They all do. Back to your point out about Mahomes. Mahomes wouldn't even have been a chief had the Chiefs been successful the year prior. Field, you remember <laughs> this? They were trying to get Paxton Lynch. Had they gotten Paxton Lynch, yeah, you're right. Before, That's right. I forgot before, about that. They would not have been interested in Patrick Mahomes. They would have been trying to develop Paxton Lynch. Who knows what would happen to Paxton Lynch? He was a disappointment and a bust in Denver, but in, in Kansas City, he would have been there right or wrong. And, pa- and Patrick Mahomes would have been somewhere else. He would not have been a Kansas City Chief. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And there's such a fine line between, you know, a prodigious quarterback and Patrick Mahomes and his career trajectory, which we believe is you know outstanding. And guys who like Paxton Lynch end up in perhaps the wrong spot. And next thing you know, he doesn't even have a job in the NFL just four years after getting drafted, maybe five by now. Uh, but speaking of quarterbacks going to the first round, Uh, We don't have guys like Paxton Lynch going late in the first round in Todd's latest mock. We have four quarterbacks going in the first four picks, plus a fifth, Mac Jones, going ninth overall. This comes through a trade of the 49ers up to get the Denver Broncos' ninth overall selection. We've been through several iterations of these mocks now, Todd. Does it feel more and more like five quarterbacks in the first 10 is a foregone conclusion to you? I wouldn't say foregone. But but it's possible, which you know would be would be rare, you know. I but Mac Jones is the toughest one of all of these guys because the first four quarterbacks that we've talked about a lot that Mel's looking on his big board right now, <laughs> the first four quarterbacks, you know, they have mobility and they're they're a little bit different. Mac Jones is the pocket passer. He's the guy who stays in the pocket. He can read defenses. He only he doesn't have a lot of starts. He was a four-game four starter the year before. This year he comes in, progresses the entire year. He's unbelievably intelligent. He's tough, and he really won over his team. If you listen to all the quotes, you know, Steve Sarkeesian to his wide receivers, everyone else, they love this guy, and they love how he hung in there. When Chase Young came in as a five-star and Tua Tagovailoa was in there as a five-star, he refused to go in the transfer portal. He refused to leave the program. He was going to be the Alabama starter. And that's what everyone loves about him, the way he competes. So I think there's going to, there will be a team that falls in love with him. It will likely be in the first half of the first round, but I'm not ready to commit to all five of these quarterbacks going in the top 10. 
before people get mad at you, the people that Todd and Mel do a great job of not listening to uh, Bryce Young, Alabama. I think you mentioned Chase Young in there, which uh, to sorry, be clear, Chase could have probably played quarterback at Alabama if he decided <laughs> to go down that path early I'll, I'll on in Bryce's his life. I'll name next year. Yeah, well, he's, By he's the way, Phil, these papers are not what Todd thought. These papers are a little research going back to 1937. And Todd screamed at me last week. We were doing a show. I said, which well, I said, I'm not the rain on the parade here, but some of these guys, probably one or two of these five quarterbacks, are going to be a bust. He's like, oh, Kuiper. <laughs> he went crazy. And uh, and I talked about it Saturday on the Darian Mel show on ESPN radio. We had a bust the meter. And okay. did, yeah, the chances, who has the best chance of these five? Because I went back, if you go back even 8-2018, obviously Josh Rosen, not you know, gone, and we'll see what he develops yeah. into. You go back to Christian Ponder, Jake Locker, when four went in the top 12 in 2012. We go back to 1999, we had five in the top 12 guys, and we also had Tim Couch at number one, disappointment, but Achilles Smith at three, bust, and Cade McNown at 12, bust. And I went all the way back, never in the history of the draft, I'm not going to bore you with all enough, but never in the history of the draft, I went back to 1937, had five quarterbacks going in the top 12, and if they did, all of them be really, be really good. There's always a disappointment or a total bust of that group. So history, numbers tell us, the percentages tell us, Two of these five will not be effective. At, at best, one of the five will, will be a disappointment. I love the perception here. I love, I, I love, love your it. narrative, Kyle. Yes. <laughs> I never said that they weren't going to be a bust, but if we're talking about them as somewhere in the first half of the first round, we both like them, right? We, will, we both think these guys have talent, and we hope that they wind up in the right situation. That was my only point. No, my, my I'm, thing was to put in perspective. I, I'm well aware we're going we're gonna to bust right. at least yeah. two of these guys. Right, it's always, a love fest. it's always a love fest with the quarterbacks until they start playing. Right. And then we say, whoo, what happened, you know? And then you know, all, these guys are all being talked about. I really like this, really like that. But the point is, some of these guys are going to not pan out. And, uh, you know, to me, you look at the number of starts, the situation, a crazy year, an abnormal year, a, a horrible year all the way around yeah. for everybody. Uh, you know, evaluating – and I said this this morning – I said, this is not only the most mysterious draft ever, it's the most complicated draft ever for a variety of reasons. And I think, Todd, Todd you're evaluating everybody. Complicated and mysterious defines this draft. Yeah, I've, I've never had more, more teams call to try to get information that they've never needed to get information on. Because mm -hmm. I've been around and on the field and talking to players and sitting in meetings, and they haven't been able to. I mean, that's think about how unique that is. You're mm -hmm. getting ready to... to to give maybe 25, $30 million to someone, and you haven't been able to have your people on the ground face-to-face -face talking to that human being. You're going to invest $30 million in someone, and you just you don't know? That, that's what makes this so difficult. And it, it really, you're right. It's, this is the craziest draft I've been around, and you've been around for 43 years. We'll keep it rolling here in a second, but I just got to say, I love the fact that Mel can go through 84 years of drafts and accurately decipher whether players were successes or failures. I, you know, I didn't even from, know there was a draft in 37. I, I was around love. for all of them, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you were. Not quite, Mel. Not quite. You're aging yourself just a little bit. Uh, we talked about him a little That's a just while. Just for men ago. helps me. Just for men, you know, that kind of helps me once <laughs> yeah. in a while. You know, that's okay. We're all playing for second at ESPN in terms of best hair behind Mel. Uh, we uh, talked about well, Micah Parsons. 18th right now. 18th. I, I bet there's a big board for hair as well. Falling way back, believe me. Okay. Uh, we'll get into the hair big board at some point during, uh, maybe after the draft. But, Todd, we mentioned Micah Parsons a little bit earlier on in the conversation that also involved Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. He fell in your latest mock 
from pick seven to the Lions to pick 15 for the Patriots. Uh, what maybe drove that? Was that more because the quarterbacks are rising up the board or is there new intel on Micah Parsons that maybe has you a little bit more skeptical? No, there's no no new intel. I, I think he's going to be a great player. And I love Owusu Koromoa, and, and Mel talked about it earlier. It yep. has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with positional need, the quarterbacks, and the pass catchers. I mean, you've got five quarterbacks going early. You've got four pass catchers going early. So I'll, and, and Panay Sewell is going uh, number five overall to Cincinnati. So there's just no room for these, some of these defensive players. And the second half, as I mentioned, the second half of the first round, that's where we start to see all these guys come off the board. And, and there are good edge rushers. There are good linebackers. It's not a good defensive uh, tackle class, but there are good corners. There are a couple of good safeties. Uh, but, but to me, it had everything to do with the fact that we know the price is going to be driven up for these pass catchers and quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, it seems at least plausible, at least plausible, that the first eight or nine selections could all be on offense. So it may not necessarily be reflective of guys like Micah Parsons who are elite at their position. It may just be teams need quarterbacks and teams need wide receivers this year. Anything else that stood out to you from doing the mock draft, mock 2.0 to mock 3.0, that maybe was a major takeaway for you, Todd? Well, the more tape I watch, the more I'm struggling with these corners. I, I love Patrick Sertan from Alabama. Yeah. I think he's the more physical guy. I think he's the more complete player. He learned how to play within Nick Saban's scheme. He'll funnel guys in. He plays with gap discipline, and he does a lot of really good things. But Caleb Farley, the more I watch from uh, Virginia Tech, this guy can flat-out cover, and he goes up and gets the football. When the ball is in the air late, that's the thing that separates it. I it's hard to explain, but you have to watch a corner and know when they read the receiver's eyes. And then when they react, how quickly do they react and how confident are they that they're in phase is what they call it, meaning in good position to turn around and get your hand up and go make a play or go, go get both hands up and, and take the ball down. And Farley is special in that regard. I think that's that's his unique trait. Now, he, he's not going to defend the run like Sertan will or like some of these other corners will. Uh, but the cornerback debate is going to be really interesting to see as we get closer to the draft. Mel, any thoughts on those top two cornerbacks, whether one stands out above the other at this point? And the opt-out complicates it. That's where the complication yeah, comes in. Caleb yep. Farley did not play. I would have liked to have seen him to show more toughness and a little tenacity and, and tackle a little bit better and become more a complete, a complete corner than a cover guy. Former wide receiver with Justin Fuente had a lot of great things to say when we talked back in August about Caleb Farley. Would have been nice to see him play where Sertan played, J.C. Horn played. He did not. Uh, that's one of the debates that you're going to have to have within these, these war rooms is what happens when you have that type of player with the uncertainty of – two years removed as opposed to a guy that played. Todd did something that obviously kind of irritate me, put a running back at 24 and a running back at 30. <laughs> He's entitled to do what Smooth he Smooth transi transition there, Mel. He also left out Walker Little again, offensive tackle Stanford. I'm a little surprised. What's your thing did. with Walker Little? I like the potential and I like the what he showed back in 2018 prior to the injury. Got hurt against Northwestern. Yeah, it's 2018. That's it, it's tough. Right. He played well. He was highly regarded coming out of high school. He's 6'7, 322. He's got the great feet and balance and pass protection. You want to play right tackle as well. He definitely is ready to go. I mean, he missed 
all of 2019 coming back to the PCL. He missed last year as an opt-out, and now he's back hungry to play football. It's six. This is a guy probably would have been a top 15 pick guarantee that he played. He didn't. And now you get it. I think Kansas City in the late first round would be a great landing spot for Walker Little. Little surprised Todd didn't have him there. And like I said, I wasn't surprised you had one Todd, but two running backs, really? He's trying, he's trying to test your patience. That's all, Mel. And you mentioned Kansas City needed an offensive tackle. It certainly feels like that offensive line will be a major focus mm-hmm. for them, both in free agency. And by the way, right. And real the quick, field, if there's one player, and I want to get Todd's feeling, and field, you watch all this stuff as well. The toughest defensive player for me to evaluate is Jason Owe from Penn State. No question. The kid's yeah. going to run a freakish time of four in the four threes. Yeah. He had the five and a half sacks in 2019. Some of them were against subpar teams. He didn't. It's hard to draft a sack artist when he doesn't have a sack in college. And right. he was he was neutralized. I went back and watched. I wanted to see him do things. He's got. He's raw. He's got to learn. He's got to get coached. Uh, you know, to me, you know, there's a lot to like physically and athletically, but as a pure pass rusher. He's still all potential. He's not production. And there's a guy, you know, to me, where would you grade? I'll grade him a lot lower than where he ultimately goes in the draft. I, I agree. I actually, I would take Aziz Ojulari, who doesn't have as much, you know, production as maybe you'd like to see. The Georgia defensive end outside linebacker, I, I think he's a much better, more pure pass rusher. He knows how to dip and rip. He knows how to bend the edge. He knows when, when he's gotten beat physically, how to get off of it and use his hands. I, I think there are three or four better edge rushers, but I've seen some other people that, that don't agree. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'll just say that I do think a GM who's got a little bit more cachet, either because of his success in that role with his franchise versus a newer, younger GM or a guy on the hot seat might be better equipped to take a guy. And Jason Owe, yeah. who, as Mel mentioned, zero sacks last year. It is a risky pick by default. Uh, let's move forward to something that uh, came out on Sunday. It was Mel's top 10 quarterback prospects based off their pre-draft grade. So not how they turned out in the NFL, but how they were graded going into the draft ever. This is 43 drafts worth. And uh, the entire list is on ESPN.com, available on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Mel, we'll start at the top, though. Uh, I don't think a major surprise that uh, you've got back-to-back Stanford quarterbacks with John Elway and Andrew Luck atop your lists. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was hard not to. I mean, John Elway goes back to one of my all-time favorites, and people say, boy, yeah, just think with the Baltimore. Would Baltimore still have the Colts that John Elway would have remained with that organization and not been traded when Ernie, of course, he the GM 
was had no participation in that trade. They traded him without Ernie's knowledge, and Ernie ended up leaving. The team moved, and I started with ESPN after I'd agreed to work with Ernie with the Colts. Uh, everything would have been Todd. I wouldn't be here talking to you in field right now if things would have gone differently there. But uh, yeah, because John Elway would have been a Colt, I'd have been in Baltimore. Who knows what would have happened? I might have had Super Bowl rings right now. Probably would have had a couple Super Bowl rings. But uh, that, that's life, right? Uh, so again, you look. You look You're doing all right, Mel. You got look at John Elway. You know what a great, great quarterback he was, and I, I think what, what was phenomenal and special about John, he had all the talent, and he lived up to it. You know, you, normally you guys have everything you would want in a quarterback. He had, and then to see him, even as a rookie, I was at Memorial Stadium when he played against the, the Baltimore Colts. He came back that rookie year. He couldn't. You talk about be, being in over his head. He had no idea. Steve, he got injured. Vernon Maxwell sacked him. He got an ankle injury, limped off. The Colts were winning the game. They, Denver couldn't move the ball with John Elway, a quarterback. He got an ankle. And Steve DeBerg came in and lit it up and led Denver back to a victory. That's how the struggles of John Elway as a rookie. That's why we got to be patient with quarterbacks. When I saw John Elway struggle, granted it was 1983, different era now, but to see him lead teams to Super Bowls that would have been outmanned without him, shouldn't even have been in the Super Bowl and lost. Then to see him win at the end of his career a couple Super Bowls, uh, it's great to see a player that has all the gifts maximize it all once he got into the NFL. And for John Elway, everybody, yeah, he's kind of the prototypical quarterback is the way I would describe John Elway. What was the Peyton Manning-Ryan Leaf debate? I mean, in your mind, how did you see the two? I barely, I, 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 everything's, everything's there. I, I barely went with Manning over Leaf. I did. I made that call. I had Leaf as one of my highest rated quarterbacks of all time. When I thought he was right up there. And, I, and the thing was, it was hard with that debate because it's got, you, yeah. have to, you have to go back to the real time then, not the revisionist history. Of course. Yeah. And, yeah. And so when you think about it, if we would have been having that discussion, we have Peyton at Tennessee and he'd never beat Florida. Okay. And, and then you had Ryan who developed Leaf late in his career. It seemed to show that summer before his final campaign, everything you needed mentally, physically, he had it all. He carried that team. He was a guy, Washington State Cougars. I mean, he takes some Rose Bowl. He's taken to the great heights with Mike Price as the head coach. So and big, has it all. I like compared to Roman mm-hmm. Gabriel, who's, I was a big LA Rams fan growing up with Roman Gabriel, came out of NC State number 18. He would have shrugged off defenders like they weren't even there. So it was a big debate. And I, I really believe. I don't know. I didn't pull the whole league, but the people I spoke to in the league, it was a 50-50 split when Leaf Manning. Only thing I take solace in, I did have Peyton over Ryan, but Ryan had one of my highest grades ever. So I blew it on that one. Bobby Beathard took him at two. It was a bust. Peyton's a Hall of Famer. but No, I was just curious because it's it's one of the great debates in the history of the draft. Yeah, because Peyton didn't have the big-time arm, and Peyton yeah. didn't have the big-time athleticism. Right. Ryan Leaf was this big, strong-arm guy, could throw the ball 80 yards and, and one with a lesser personnel around him and all that. So, again, uh, Peyton's funny because when he was here, I told you that story. He, he's talking about – they said I didn't have any upside. They said I was as good as they were going to be, and I still had pimples on my chin. He said, you know, <laughs> like, really? Really, guys? You're telling me I'm as good – I'm, I'm a kid. I'm a kid. You know, but I'm never going to get any better. You know, so Peyton That's tells great. the story. Uh, and, you know, it was it was interesting because, I mean, that year, I'll never forget that year, how close it was trying to decide which quarterback you like better. And guess what, guys? You know, the quarterback you didn't like, you still had a super high grade on the other guy. So I hit it with one. I blew it with the other one. Well, Peyton comes in at number three overall in your top 10 grades. And you mentioned that Ryan Leaf also makes this top 10, but not the top five. And the reason why this conversation is relevant this year, Mel, is because Trevor Lawrence – has cracked your list as well. 
just a perspective, just perspective on how special of a talent you think he is. He's your fourth highest rated quarterback of all time. So if this goes as planned, the, the Jaguars, as, as bad as this year was, and 15 straight losses is brutal, they could be the big winners of the NFL offseason. Yeah, and I think the reason I put Trevor there is, uh, yeah, well, I want to get Ryan Leaf more moved down a little bit. I want to get Andre Ware moved down a little bit. <laughs> you put him on the same page, it slides them down a little bit. There's nothing to the man. Smart play, There's a little depth now. Now, seriously, uh, you, know, you look at, at Trevor, I really think – I was thinking, you know, do you want to go so high where – I couldn't go with, El, with the Elway spot. And I, I figured, okay, I thought that was fa- a fair spot to put a guy in. And, Todd, he has everything you want. He was number one coming out of high school with Justin Fields, a close second. Some have thought one and one A. He's done everything you wanted at Clemson. He didn't have four starters on the offensive line or T. Higgins or Justin Ross this year. So, again, uh, I look at, at, at Trevor Lawrence. Everything you want mentally and physically, I don't know if you agree, he seems to have. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. What I, what I don't know is I haven't sat in a room with him and gotten his football intelligence. I don't know how he processes I'd like to see more throws over the middle of the field, but I have the second highest or the highest grade since 2012 with Andrew Luck. So I'm in complete agreement. He's big, he's strong, he's got the arm, the mobility. And I told you, I've been on the field with him nine times live, watching him, stalking him, as I, I said before, trying to figure out who he is. You want to know who a quarterback is and how they handle pressure, how they handle offensive linemen getting pissed at them, how they handle interceptions, how they handle touchdowns, all those sorts of things. And this guy is always level. I mean, his emotions never change. And I love that about him. I think that's really important at that position. We've got just over seven weeks until the NFL draft begins. And if you hear people try to undercut him at all, like just, just change the channel, listen to different podcasts, Click a different article to read, Trevor. Uh, there's no guarantee because nothing is guaranteed from the draft into the NFL. But uh, in terms of pre-draft process, I suspect that Trevor Lawrence will be graded almost universally as the top player on the board by a wide, mar- wide margin around the NFL. Uh, just a note to Mel's uh, top five rounded out with Jim Kelly, the great Jim Kelly, who, of course, played his college football at Miami. And you can find the entire column, as I mentioned, on .com right now. Number six through 10, Mel gave you a little preview there about some of the players that maybe didn't go as planned, but there also were two Super Bowl champs and one other active quarterback makes Todd, excuse me, Mel's top 10 quarterback prospects based based off pre-draft grades of all time. That's right. He is a quarterback and it may not be who you think. We're back. Actually, before I guarantee you we're back next week at the same time. I think we might be shuffled a little bit because we have free agency next week. So who knows? I don't want to say something that's false <laughs> advertising. We'll be back at some point next week. There will be tons of action by the time that we next talk, which will dramatically impact how the draft looks, maybe at the top of the board, maybe further down the board. But in the meantime, for Todd and Mel on Fields, subscribe, rate, and download wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to The First Draft.